Welcome to the Charleston Real Estate Connection Podcast, connecting and reconnecting you with all things Charleston. I am your host, Nia Joy, your golden realtor, licensed in the state of South Carolina. Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode four of the Charleston Real Estate Connection Podcast, connecting and reconnecting you with all things Charleston. I am your host, Nia Joy, your golden realtor, licensed in the state of South Carolina with Homegate Real Estate. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited because today we have with us a seasoned entrepreneur, seasoned business person. Um, she's a native of Charleston, South Carolina, and she is actually in the mortgage business. I have with us today Tamara York of Asset Assured Financial Services. Tamara, thank you so much for joining me again. That's our little inside thing. Um, <laughs> I have had the pleasure of working with Tamara on transactions, and my clients absolutely love her because she's so professional and so good at explaining the mortgage process with them. So, Tamara, um, thank you again for joining us. The topics for today are going to be purchasing a home with your tax refund, purchasing a home with student loans, and purchasing a home if you have collections or derogatory accounts. So I am so excited to dig into all these topics. And if you want to go ahead and get started and tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you are connected with the Charleston area, I would love that if you want to give us a quick background about you. Perfect. Well, I want to start off saying Happy New Year to everyone. We made the 2020. It's great. So now we're going to become homeowners in 2020. So to get, um, to get you into your home, we'll give you some information as far as, you know, how to do that, you know, in um, corners of getting into your home, basically. Um, so like Nia said, my name is Tamara York. I'm a mortgage, um, I'm a mortgage loan originator, but I'm under a mortgage broker. So basically, we can do everything a bank can do, but a bank cannot do everything that um, we can do. Um, so in an instance, so basically how that works is um, we have mortgage loan products for all your needs, whether it be, you know, new construction, bank statement loans, whatever it is, we have a, a mortgage loan product. Um, I, like I said, I'm originally from North Charleston. I got two beautiful children and I love doing what I do. Um, just running businesses just to be, you know, successful, helping people. I, I would love to be a blessing to others. Yes. Yes, yes, you do. You are definitely um, gifted to serve people and help them with purchasing their um, real estate. I mean, because my understanding, you not only work with um, people that are buying homes, you also work in commercial real estate as well, as far as the loans are concerned for uh, businesses? Yes. All right. So that's good to know. We will touch that on another date. But for now, Tamara, I would love to know how you can purchase a home with your tax refund because I know how it goes. Everybody's getting their tax, um, their W-2 soon. It's a very exciting time for people, especially those that pay their taxes throughout the year. Um, and they may be getting that tax refund. So please enlighten us. Um, on how this works if, if I have um, any listeners out there that may be interested in that. Yeah, of course. So 
basically how that works is, you know, you file your taxes, of course, and you get your refund check. So your refund check can go towards, you know, your down payment, closing costs, whatever it is. And so how that works is if you get direct deposit, you want to keep it in there. Because whenever you deal with income, it has to, it's called source and season. So basically the source is, where is it coming from? Right. So now with, you know, the paper trail of it coming from the IRS or whatever, now we can see who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some people that make the mistake of, okay, yeah, they, they get the direct deposits from the refund check. They pull it out and take it out and hold it as cash uh-huh. at home. And now, Not a good idea. Don't do that. Not a, idea. Not a good idea. And so now they're trying to put it back into their account. And now we, there's no way of sourcing where that money comes from. Ah. Everything has to be sourced. Um, so the correct thing to do is whenever that, that wire hits, wherever, you know, direct deposit hits, whatever it is, you want to let it stay in there. Um, okay. And go from there. And so that's how you can use your, your tax refund as far as, um, additional assets for your down payment or close. Okay. That's, that's some really good stuff because, um, oftentimes people are ready to purchase and they have that lump sum of, sum of money, mm-hmm. um, which may also be good because maybe a family member, if they were to want to gift maybe some of their refund to a family member, how would that work? Let's say, um, a parent or a sister or brother, um, or another family member, and they want to go ahead and gift some of their um, their funds to a family member or friend that's looking to buy a home. How would that work? So basically, and like I said, I'm a broker, so we differ from the transaction of when you, if you would go to a bank or whatever. So whenever you get a gift from um, mom, dad, sister, brother, whoever it is, Typically, and with me being a broker, we have, I have different lenders I work with. So some of my lenders say, you know, if it's a gift, it has to be from a family member. Some okay. of my lenders say if it's a gift, it could be from family or close friends. So basically everything is a paper trail. So okay. I have to get their bank statements proving that that money is already in there mm-hmm. prior to giving you that gift. So okay. The donor is giving me a copy and I have to have all the pages. Nothing can be blacked out white it out, whatever. So everything has to be um, available. So, they, so they'll give me their bank statements proving that, that it was in there. And then from there, they can either do a wire transfer, cashier's check, um, stuff of that nature to, you know, source the form or put the funds into the um, borrower's account. Okay. So everything has to be traced. Everything has to be well documented. That's a good point you make because <clears throat> I actually just thought about something I've also seen people where they take their tax refund and instead of them putting it into a bank, they may put it on a card or something like that. And um, I just, I always like to remind people when I all possible deal with some a bank, especially if you know you're going to be shifting funds, whether it be for a family member or yourself, it's just always good to have that, those funds start off in the bank. Um, so it's a reminder for everybody out there, go ahead and get away from using um, a card or a, some type of online source where it goes directly to a card and not a bank to manage your money. It's very good to have a, a bank account. So, um, or, or I do have, have had people stuff money under their mattress. That's where they keep their money. That's not a, that's not a good way because like you said, you need to source where it comes from. It has to be sourced in season. So whenever you're dealing with mattress money, 
Um, that's what I like to call it. <laughs> mattress money. <laughs> you, so I can tell you had a flashback just now. You had, you had a flashback. It happens. It happens. And mattress money. Just keep in mind, everything is sourced in season. Season means how long have you had it? I request two months bank statement. So that means it has to be in a minimum there of two months. Okay. Um, but yeah, every no no mattress money to where you just put $10,000 into an account and say, okay, you're trying to close one day and then, you know, you got a deposit of where did it come from the day before. It doesn't work like that. Right, right. Um, so now let's, Tamara, let's go into this, one of my favorite other topics, um, student loans. I have met people who have told me I can't buy a home because I have student loans. They don't even know if that's true or not. They just make the assumption. They're thinking, oh my goodness, there's no way. Um, so I do want to talk about that because that's a frequently asked question I get. Can I still purchase a home if I have student loans? Um, but also anything else surrounding student loans that you may think is a, be helpful for our listeners as far as purchasing a home? So yeah, so student loans does not automatically disqualify you from getting a loan, uh, a mortgage loan. Okay. Um, basically, there's a number of factors involved. So step one is credit score. Um, and because the credit score is going to determine which loan program I can possibly qualify you for. So if you have anywhere from a 500 to a 639, most likely you're going to qualify for FHA. Okay. Um, I can do loans, you know, mortgage loans for FHA as low as a 500 credit score. Um, it might require some more money down and interest rates going to be higher, but of course we can do that. So let's say that you qualify for FHA, um, FHA guidelines for student loans, you have one or two options. Mm -hmm. um, if they're in deferment, I still have to count that into your debt to income ratio. Mm -hmm. Your debt to income ratio is basically how much debt you have and the amount of income you have going coming in to qualify for a mortgage or a house. And, so, and, and to be clear, that debt to income is literally like the monthly payment for that loan? No, so your debt to income really is um, you have, all right, so you have two numbers. You have a front end ratio and a back end ratio. So your front end number is an amount of your income solely going toward your mortgage alone. Mm -hmm. And your back end number is the amount of your income going toward your mortgage and everything else on your, on your credit reports, all your obligations. Okay. So FHA, um, debt to income ratio can go up to 57%. Okay. And I say up to, um, because everybody's scenario is different, but when it comes to student loans, um, we take the full balance, whether it's deferred, whatever, whatever it is. So if, if your total balance of student loan is fifty thousand dollars, we're going to take one percent of that and add it as a monthly payment. Okay. So one percent of that, you know, you do the math. That's five hundred dollar payment being added on onto your um, application, onto your um, obligation section. So okay. even though you might have a monthly payment of fifty dollars, that fifty dollars is not going to pay off your uh, student loan in the term of your mortgage loan, it will not be honored. So for okay. example, if you have a 30 year mortgage, mm -hmm. that student loan has to be paid off in 30 years or less for that payment to be you know, honored. If it's not, then I take 1%. The second option is you get on a payment plan, not an income-based payment plan because half the time those income-based payment plans will not have it paid off in the term of the mortgage loan. You can get on a payment plan where you have to contact your student loan service providers and ask them how much would my payments be if I had these paid off in 30 years or less, including the interest rate. 
So again, if we go back to that $50,000 student loan um, balance, mm-hmm. and you taking 1%, they say, okay, if, if your student loans are paid off in 30 years, your monthly payment would be 250, including an interest rate. I can honor that $250 payment versus taking the 1%. But you have to make sure you have the time. I, a lot of people run into that issue to where they've had their student loans in deferment for so long, uh-huh. that student loan provider, you don't have the full 30 years. So now they have to go off with the amount of years you have remaining for that monthly payment. Oh, wow. So, so is that like a, a reset? Is that? No, it's just the, for, I've ran into that issue with some of my clients whenever they try to get on a payment plan. That's uh-huh. why I always advise them to contact their student loan provider first. So whenever you come to me, I'll tell you what you, what you need to say or, or get, you know, the wording to, you know, for them to help you. Uh-huh. But, um, that needs to be done first because sometimes whenever they whenever they finalize that um, payment schedule, some people just don't have the full 30 years. Okay. Whatever they done on their end, that's something I have no control over. I see. I see. I get that. So you just pretty much give guidance and and then yeah. okay. Um so so I see FHA, that type of loan is an option. Mm-hmm. Um what about VA and um usda how 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 does that work um it is best probably to go with the fha based on the guidelines because not best in all cases but sometimes is it possible to use those loans as well and even conventional yeah so conventional usda those all are higher credit scores so 640 or higher is for conventional and usda now what the good thing with conventional products anyway is they will honor the payments that's on your credit report. So again, okay. if you have a $50,000 student loan balance and your payments are $75, conventional will honor those payments on your credit report. However, so many other factors involved. They have right. a higher credit score. Their debt to income um, ratios are not as high as FHA. So that's another okay. thing to take in consideration as well. Okay. Um, they will honor the payments on their credit report. So thankfully, if someone were to come to you, you ultimately, you would still help them find the best loan that's the best fit for them. So that's all that. That's really what matters because everybody is, doesn't fit in a perfect box where, um, where you go to a bank, everybody, they may have one product, you have multiple products, so you can help with fitting them based on where they are and their needs. Exactly. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's some good information. Um, and I'm so happy to be able to share this. Um, this will be shared on YouTube and on uh, other social media. Um, I know we have one more topic to go over, but before we get to the next topic, can you let everybody know, uh, we'll do it now and again at the end of the show, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if they're looking to either put in an application or uh, maybe just inquire more about purchasing or investing in real estate with, oh, a, yeah, with a mortgage product. So, um, I'm pretty... I try to be available to all my clients. Um, phone. I have a business cell, so you can call, text. Um, my number is 843-804-7976. Again, my number is 843-804-7976. Um, like I said, as a business sales, you can call or text or whatever now, and I'm pretty good at responding. And, you know, this yes, time. you are. You're very responsive. Email, <laughs> text, phone. All of that. So, Yes. Um, email Weekends. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I try to be, try to be available. 
Yes. Um, not bankers hours, not, you know, knocking any bankers, but I try to be available outside of nine to five. Um, and we, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also email. Um, my email is T York, like New York. So T York dot A A F S at gmail.com. Okay. And I'll have everything, you know, for you as well. All right. Awesome. And that's, we're going to have that there in the description below. So you can have that and you can just click on the link and just email Tamara directly. Um, and uh, she'd be happy to help with that. Um, the last topic, the last topic we have is collections and derogatory accounts. A lot of people have them anywhere from medical bills to the cell phone bill, or maybe just an old bill they just kind of forgot about, kind of slid on the report um, under the radar. Um, can you please talk to us about whether or not, you know, what are some ways that people can go about purchasing a home, whether or not that's even possible? Yeah. So like I said, once again, I am a broker. So there are things that we um, can possibly work with you with. So when it comes to derogatories, so collection accounts, we do not look at medical. So medical, collect, uh, medical collections, depending on, well, let me back up, depending on if you're doing primary or investment properties, the guidelines for investment properties are a little bit different for when it comes to collection accounts, mm -hmm. um, but for primary um, residents, we do not look at medicals, we okay. don't look at charge-offs. Um, if you're doing an investment, I would probably want to sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and review, like look at your whole financial portfolio first to guide you correctly. But as far as for primary residents, um, not for medical and collect um, medical and charges we do not look at so it's not going to be okay. penalized. you won't be penalized for that um, however say that you do have collections so say that you have um, a repossession or you know an old uh, credit card or a cell phone bill that's in collection so if it's under two thousand dollars we will not penalize it against you um, if it's over two thousand dollars what we do is we take five percent of the mm -hmm. total balance. So say you have three separate accounts and all three of those accounts come to a thousand or two thousand dollars or more, then I'll take I'll add all those accounts up and take five percent of that and add and whatever that is, I'll take and add that as a payment onto your um, obligation section on your application. Okay. So that can hinder the amount of house you can get if you don't have the income to offset it. Okay. Um, but it ne doesn't necessarily disqual disqualify you totally. Um, so that's how collections work. Okay. So, wow. Giving people hope, giving people hope by giving them some good information and providing some value. And that's what I love um, about talking with you. I'm always learning something new about how things can work. And that again is a frequently asked question or something that's, that's um, addressed often with people um, because either people haven't seen their credit report in a while um, and they're finding out while they're trying to get pre-approved with you. Um, or maybe they're aware of it. So that's, that's very useful. Uh, what is, uh, this is kind of like a bonus question, but what is uh, some tips that you would give someone if they were looking to, to buy or invest in real estate in 2020? Um, I think honestly, the most important thing is let me review your whole financial picture first. I hear a lot of people say, well, I want to pay this down first, or I want to, you know, pay this off it may not be necessary. Um, so instead, of, like before you start spending the money that you could possibly be using to go towards closing costs or whatever, or the off, whatever your difference is in your um, mortgage transaction, 
um, let me review your financial picture first and then I okay. can Okay. Okay. And that's, that's really good. That's really, really good. Um, and from it, really good advice. Um, because you're the expert and you can let people know what may be, um, in their best interest when it's time for them to purchase. So again, your contact information is at the, at the bottom um, of the description. I so appreciate you taking the time to go over the topics of student loans, um, purchasing a home during tax season, because there's a lot of people who want to do that. And of course, the, the tedious task of dealing with derogatory accounts and collections on your account. And as a reminder, guys, if you're looking at buying or selling, reach out to Tamara and actually let her look at your file, your financial profile, and she can really help you um, put things into perspective and even possibly help you put together a plan of action where you know in 60 days that that might be a good time frame for you or 30 days or maybe right now. I think oftentimes people don't even know that they're eligible to purchase a home um, because they don't ask and they just make the assumption based on what they know about their finances when the most helpful thing is to speak with an expert, a mortgage broker like yourself to get down to the bottom of that question. So Again, Tamara, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I am so excited to share this podcast with our listeners. Um, if you want to find us on other podcasts like this, we are at the we are at um, we're located on all the iTunes, Google Play, and major um, major podcast carriers. So you can find us there, um, and we just look forward to to working with you and helping you purchase a home this year. So Tamara, do you have any other things you want to say as we wrap this up? Um, no, uh, let's just become homeowners. There we go. Become homeowners and some vest. <laughs> All right. So check us out. CharlestonReconnection.com. CharlestonReconnection.com. And we will see you on the next one. Stay golden and have a good one. This has been another episode of the Charleston Real Estate Connection Podcast. You can find us on our website at charlestonreconnection.com. That's charlestonreconnection.com.